Come on now, come on. Good to have you in the house of God. Thanks so much for being here. Good crowd on a beautiful day today. Man, we're glad to have you. Uh, shout out to our online people, wherever you're at. Uh, thanks for tuning in and uh, spending your morning with us. And so we're just thrilled that you're here today. Great to have you in the house of God. One of my favorite things in the whole world to do. Um, I'm a guy that just likes life, man. I like to do things. A lot of things kind of excite me, but one near at the top is when there are new nuggets, kind of new, fresh, powerful things that I find in the Word of God in my study, in my devotion time, that I get to share with you. And I get to do that right now in this service, and I'm just really excited that you came out to be a part of it, okay? So thanks for being here. It's good to have you. I want you to start out with what is called a conversation starter. Now, if you don't know what that is, that is generally some kind of a, a very specific question that you ask in a, a group of people to kind of get a conversation going, get their thoughts on that particular subject. I do this with my family all the time, and it drives them crazy. They hate it, but I don't care. So I just love doing this, and I thought I'd start out our message with a conversation starter. So check this out, and this is the question I want you to kind of ponder over. If you could give every person in the world one thing that would dramatically make a positive and permanent impact on human society, what would that one thing be? What would it be for you? And there's a lot of people that you just jump on easy street with that answer because you'd say, I'm going to give everybody in the world $1,000, okay? Just change the world. Everybody gets 1000 bucks. And, man, that would be helpful. That sounds great. There's a lot of people I make a difference for. I remember a couple years ago when, when we were getting those $1,200 checks from the government every other Tuesday. Remember? I mean, it was just crazy, okay? Man, another 1200 bucks showed up in my, my bank account. That was all short-term, wasn't it? Huh? That was all short-term. In fact, today, uh, three trips, three trips through the drive up at Starbucks, and your thousand bucks are gone, right? So that, that, that really isn't it. Man, it can't be some more than money. And, and some people be a little bit more empathetic with that. And the compassionate among us would say, I want everybody to be healthy, okay? Optimum health. Now think about that no cancer, no diabetes. No COVID, no worn out joints, no, no headaches, no glasses, no wrinkles. Anybody know what I'm talking about, huh? huh? Anybody know? I, I remember this story about this, uh, this older couple walking through the mall one day. Anybody remember what a mall was? And they're walking through this mall and they went by this uh, pet store they had and the owner of the pet store had put a cage out where this little parrot bird was in and this older couple walking through and the parrot yelled out at the couple, hey buddy! And the guy turned around and he goes, your wife is really old. And he was just, I can't believe that bird said that. And so they walk on. He goes, it's okay, honey, it's okay. And then pretty soon they come back along and, and the bird yelled, hey, buddy. And he turned around, your wife is really old. We just kind of ticked this guy off. He went to the poor. He found the owner. He goes, man, your wife just said my wife, my, your bird said my wife is old. And he goes, man, that stupid bird. I've been having problems with it. And the owner went out and opened up a cage and slapped the bird around and said, don't say that anymore. I'm putting you in a dark room. Don't ever do that again. And so the couple takes off. You know, they come back a little bit later and the bird says, hey, buddy. And the guy said, what? And the bird said, you know what, you know what. 
Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome? Just optimum health, man. And, and that's, that's one of the things we got to look forward to in heaven, man. That would be, that'd be a really cool thing. We just go like this and everybody is healthy. The philosophical among us, they'd say, man, let's just give everybody good education. I heard this recently and, and I, I probably can't really argue against that. What would it be like if every person in the world Everywhere, third world countries, everywhere. If every person in the world graduated from high school, that would change the world. In 1965, there was a pop singer named Jackie DeShannon who answered that question with the song that she sang. And that song in 1965, I know some of y'all saying, we talking about the Ice Ages back then? That song, it, it grabbed a nerve, okay? And it just caught on and it hadn't let go. That song just kept going through the generations and the years. And old Jerry Lewis, it was one of the mainstay theme songs of, of the muscular dystrophy telethon for kids that he had. Forrest Gump had it playing in the background when he played ping pong with the Russians. I mean, it just, it just, it just hung on. Even the Beatles, a couple of years later, took the song and they said, we're going to make it our own. And there are people in this room... Almost 60 years later, you still remember that song because that song was an answer to that question. According to the artist, Jackie DeShannon, you still remember it. Let's sing it. We can do it. You know it. You sing it with me, okay? Here we go. Are you ready? What the world needs now, come on, is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. Ain't bad, huh? You remember that? And that sounds almost biblical. I mean, just give everybody in the world this ability to be loved and to love. I changed the world. What's interesting to me, and you might not have realized this before, because I don't know that I did, is that Jesus gave his answer to that question. He gave his answer at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And you've been with us for a little bit, and even if you're online, you've been checking us out for a while, you know that we've kind of working through this very first recorded sermon that we ever had of Jesus. And he, he climbed up on a part of a mountain, probably a ledge somewhere, so people could see him and he could see everybody. And he preached a sermon that we, we have a copy of that in our Bibles. It's in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7, three chapters together in this book, and it's his sermon, and there are parts of it that he, he, he told in different places, in different settings, but in the book of Matthew, it's all put together, and, and this is the message. And what I found out in my study this week is that when Jesus began to conclude it, when he came to the end of his sermon, he answered that question. It is a powerful conclusion to the sermon. I heard a comedian one time say that the secret to a good sermon is having a strong introduction and a strong conclusion and put the two as closely together as you possibly can. That'd be a great sermon. Well, Jesus knew this when he started to conclude it, when he started to come to the end of the sermon. We preachers call it landing the plane, okay? Have you ever been in church somewhere and, and somebody's preaching and they're getting towards the end and they just keep coming and going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny? They just, and, and you're just wanting to say, land the plane, bro, land the plane. Well, Jesus did that. We call it landing the plane as preachers. Somebody call it dropping the mic. 
And when you get to the seventh chapter of Matthew, and you get to the second half of the seventh chapter, Jesus starts to conclude everything that he's been talking about, and he gives us the answer to our question. Now, what he did, and I find this incredible, is what he did was he linked the end of his message to the start of his message. That's really important to know. And so if you've been with us for a few weeks, you, you, you kind of know what all those three chapters have been because we talked about how he started it, how he introduced it, and his concept was that he wants kingdom people, me and you, he wants us to invade the world. Don't be afraid of the world. Don't stay away from the world. Invade the world. Take everything that you have as a child of God and get out in to the world because the world needs what you have. And he called it salt and light. That be salt that will prevent further decay in this ugly world. And be light in a world that's lost its way. Get out and invade the world. And so you say, okay, how do, how do I do that? How do I invade? How do I be salt? How do I be light? And that's what the sermon's about. The whole sermon is Jesus saying, Here, here's how you do that. And now we get to where Jesus is about to land the plane. And he wraps it all up. He puts it in a pretty little package, one thing that the world desperately needs from us, one thing. It's his answer to the question. And let me say this before we dive into it. I want you to hear this. The world will not get this from anyone other than us. We are, as kingdom people, the only hope for this to be given to them. This is it. And Jesus begins to wrap it up, land the plane, drop the mic, and here's the one thing that they need. Let me put it up here so we'll remember it. Just do it. Just do it. Now, some of y'all look at that. And in your mind, you're thinking this, aren't you? Let's put it up here. That's what you're thinking, right? Okay? Because Nike made millions of dollars with their little swish logo and put the slogan, just do it. They made millions from that. A few of those millions came from our worship pastor, Aquila Bach, okay? <laughs> but I want you to hear that Nike stole that from Jesus. I'm going to show you how Jesus came up with this idea of just do it. And when you walk out of here in a little bit, you're going to know exactly how Jesus did that. So he's wrapping up these three chapters. He starts to land the plane. And as a preacher, I know he's landing the plane because I know how to, how to write sermons, and that's kind of what I do. And so he gets to the end, and he does a couple things. Number one, he gives one final challenge, one final takeaway. This is it. And then he backs it up with a story, and he drops the mic. And so latter half of the seventh chapter, Jesus starts to do that. And I want to start with the challenge that he gave. And I'll put it up on the screen. I'm going to read it from my Bible. From Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to start in the 21st verse. And you've probably read it or heard it, but you're going to understand it in a way that maybe you never have before. 
Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Now, if I had to take that, that challenge in that little paragraph and I had to kind of say, okay, let's wrap it down even more, this is the heartbeat of his challenge. And it comes down to this because he starts to say, let me tell you who will get to heaven. Now, that's heavy. And if you've got an ounce of conscience to you, that's a concern for you personally. It's a concern for people you know. Jesus said, let me wrap all this up and let me tell you who gets to heaven. And here's his answer. Only, somebody say only. You know what that means? Ain't everybody gonna go to heaven. Ain't everybody gonna go to heaven. Only, only. He who does the will of my Father in heaven. And that's almost mic drop stuff right there. And what I want you to see is I've highlighted the word does, and that's going to be a really important thing as we go throughout this study, because the word does in the beautiful prose of the Greek language is the word poieo, and it means just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And so Jesus says, let me kind of wrap all this up and talk to you about who's going to get to heaven. And only people who will be there, the only ones, are those who just do it. And then he went on to say that there will be some people who will say, Lord, Lord, and what he's talking about, people who believe in him. Listen carefully to this. He's talking about people who honestly believe in Jesus. They know that Jesus existed. They know what he did on the cross. They know he's in heaven getting ready for those of us who are going to be there. They're probably a lot of those people who say, Lord, Lord, because they believe everything about Jesus are right here. Right here in this room right now. It might be you, or maybe the person sitting next to you. The problem is, is that their poieto is missing. They believe, they just don't do the will of God. They just don't do what Jesus tells them to do. And so Jesus, in shocking manner, says, I will say to them, I never knew you. 
Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't know who those people are. It doesn't mean that he's not aware of their name. It doesn't mean that he doesn't know what's going on in their family and what's happening in their life. The word knew in the Bible, K-N-E-W, as many of you understand, and particularly in the Old Testament, the beauty of the old King James Version language, the word knew was a metaphor of the sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. That's what it meant when it talks about so-and-so knew his wife. And that's what it's, it's this beautiful concept of intimacy in relationship. And what Jesus is saying here is for those who believe, listen carefully, those who believe, but they just don't do it. They just don't do the will of God. Here's what he says. At no moment in time have I ever been in a meaningful, engaging relationship with you. And so here's the shocking news when he starts to land the plane. Check this out. Well, look at this. Belief never covers disobedience, ever. And so some of us might see that and think, you know, I, I believe with every ounce that I have, but I, I don't know that my poyao is where it needs to be. And that Jesus gets even more shocking as he lands the plane because he went on to say is that there will be some people who will drive out demons, they will perform miracles, they will prophesy. We're talking about people who serve the kingdom of God, who give their life in service. I mean, that almost sounds like maybe a preacher, a missionary. It sounds like significant people who are busy with work in the church. There are hundreds of those people at Eastside Christian Church who serve and give of themselves for the advancement of the kingdom of God. This place keeps on going because of those individuals. But for some reason, they're Poieo is missing. They, 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 they serve, they give of themselves, they just don't do what God tells them to do. They have no poieo. And so Jesus, as he lands the plane in shocking metaphor, says, I never knew you. At no moment in time have I ever been in a meaningful, engaging relationship with you. And so here's what he said, is if that doesn't shock us enough, service never covers disobedience. So who goes to heaven? Only those with poyeo. Just do it. Now, you, you hear that, and that's some pretty radical stuff. And so the challenge then is because the world doesn't do this, because the world has no poieto about them. Do you think for a second that a pagan humanistic world gives a rip about what God wants? What do you think? No. And Jesus says, you're the only chance they have to see that. You're the only hope for a dark, decaying world to see what it's like to live a life that does 
what God tells them to do. You're the only hope they have. And if you will invade the world with an obedient life to God, then just maybe somebody there will see your example and they will begin to model that in their own life. Invade them with poieo. Now, that's some pretty radical stuff when you study it the way we did. And if it feels a little heavy in the room, that's a reason for that. That is, man, Jesus is, is coming strong. And then he starts to land the plane with this icing on the cake of a story. And you know the story. You've, you've read Matthew 7 before. And, and so we got a couple houses. And they're in the same location, apparently, they're the same kind of houses. There's no difference between two of the houses. And the same storm comes in that neighborhood with those houses. One happens to be built on a good, strong rock foundation. One is on a flimsy, shaky sand foundation. And the storm comes in. And because of the differences of the foundation, one house survives and one house is destroyed. You want to know why? You want to know why? And that's where Jesus takes this story and he powerfully brings it out. Look what he said in verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Now, because you're east side people, you're smart, right? Okay. Because you're east side people, there's two among you who are smart, Okay. So you know, you already know what that word is, don't you? Poyeo. The only people who ever go to heaven are those with poyeo. That's it. Nobody else goes. And then we have this story about those who build their life on the foundation of obedience to the things that God tells them to do. And those people have poyeo. Now, Let's look at the next house. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not, you already know, don't you, poyeo, is like a foolish man. Jesus makes this clear and he drops the mic. He lands the plane. That when you have this poyeo about you, when you have a life that hears the word of God, that knows the will of God, and you just do it. You just do it. Watch this. You will probably survive the storms of life. You will end up in heaven, and you will be a testimony to a dark, decaying world that doesn't know how to do that. So invade the world with that. One of the things I've, I've learned through the years about uh, understanding the Bible is the power of repetition. And what I mean by that, and I, I say that a lot in different uh, settings when we teach here, is that when you find a concept in the Bible that we're talking about right now, this idea of just do it, when God says that you just do it, that that concept is repeated throughout Scripture. It's not just found in this little place at the end of chapter 7 at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. It happens over and over and over again. And let me just show you a couple of them to kind of whet your appetite a little bit. One of them actually were the words of Jesus. 
It comes from the book of John chapter 6. And I want you to see what Jesus said. He said, for I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And so apparently, from what Jesus is telling us, you can envision him up in heaven, and the Father God comes to him and says, hey, I tell you what, you're going to go down to the earth, and you're going to live down there among them for about three decades, and then you're going to die for the sins of the world, and I'm going to bring you back home. That's what you're going to do. And God looked at Jesus, his son, and said, just do it. And guess what? He just did it. And Jesus said that, that the will of God was for me to come down to the earth, and I just did it. And you look at the word do there, and because you're from Eastside and you're smart, you know what that word is in the Greek language. It is, let's say it, poieo. Now, interestingly enough, the brother of Jesus, who undoubtedly learned from his brother the totality of his life, and his brother writes a letter that's in your Bibles, and in the first chapter of James' letter, he writes this. Check this out. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, let me get kind of in your grill here about that. That means that when you come to a church and you hear the word of God taught, or when you go to bed tonight and you open up your Bible and you read part of the, the Word of God, or you have some kind of way in your life that you, you read this and you become exposed to the Word of God, he's saying that God is not impressed with you simply because you now know the Word of God or a portion of it, or you heard the Word of God. We don't get in our cars in the parking lot and think God is going, awesome, way to show up at church and hear the Word of God. James says, that doesn't impress God at all. The thing that grabs the attention of God is what? Do what it says. Do you have any idea what the word do there is, huh? Because you know. It is a fascinating ending, a conclusion, a landing of the plane of an incredible portion of the word of God. It is incredible. And so the world needs this from us. So where you work... And, and, and where you go to school, and when you're at the soccer field, and, and when, you're, when you're buying your Christmas gift cards for the staff at your church, how did that get in there? That's, I don't even know how that got there. But when you're doing different things in your life, there are people watching. There are people watching. And Jesus says, you're the only hope we have. For them to see, poieto. So just do it. Don't disobey it. Don't ignore it. Disobedience negates belief and service. Just do it. My grandson got a present last week from my wife because he went to school all week for five days and didn't get a check mark on his paper. Apparently, in second grade in Florida, if you do something wrong, they put a little mark on your paper, and you got to take it home to your mom and dad. And so, uh, five days, no marks, and Nana said, 
we got to go buy a toy. And so he got a toy, and man, I am I'm so thankful for tender-hearted people in the world like her because this would be a miserable place if all those things were up to me. I didn't, I didn't say it when I was down there because I didn't have the guts to actually say it out loud, but might as well say it now. I, I, I heard that, and I thought, so we give toys now for fulfilling expectation? Really? You go, you go five days and you didn't cause any trouble and we give you a toy for that, huh? And, and, and if you jack something up, they... <laughs> I can't even believe we're living in the world that we do. So you, you jack something up and they put a mark on your paper? That's all that happens? Really? Is that where we're at now? I tell you, Coach Paul Shebby is doing somersaults in his grave right now. Uh, Shabby was our high school uh, football coach back in the Ice Ages. When I went, he'd been there for a million years. He was a tough old army guy. Um, people had potato chips for lunch. He ate nails. I mean, this guy was crazy. He wasn't God in town, but he was a second in line. He was, he was going to be close to it. And so I show up one day after school in the upstairs part of the, the school because I had to use the restroom. I was getting ready for practice down, down in the basement, down in the locker rooms. All the stalls were full. Man, I got to go. So I go upstairs, and that's a problem because he had one room there. You don't go upstairs when school's closed. School's not, you do not go up there. But I mean, you, you guys got to go. You got to go. And so I go up in the hallway and I'm finding the restroom and Coach Paul Shebby comes around and turns around. Hey, what are you doing? I said, Coach, I'm going to go to the bathroom. He said, has anybody ever told you that you can't be up here? I said, yes, sir. I've been told that. Then why are you here? I said, Coach, I got to go, man. When you got to go, you got to go. He goes, I don't care what you got to do. Get out of here. And so I laughed, and he laughed, and when I saw him go around the corner, I turned around and snuck in the restroom, you know. You got to do what you got to do. And so I came out, and there he is waiting on me. <laughs> he said, go get your paper. I got to put a mark on it. <laughs> See, I went to school in a day we still had some sense about us, Okay. Jesus concludes his sermon by saying disobedience is serious business. It may actually have something to do with whether you survive the storms of life. It might have something to do with whether you end up in heaven. And it will have everything in the world to do with whether the world learns from you what it means to be obedient to God. Now, if you will allow me to do something here. That's actually in my notes, and I wrote it, and I, I read it. I thought, well, that's kind of stupid. What? So I'm going to go stand up and say, no, you can't do that. So I, I want to be able to share from my perspective some areas of obedience to God that our culture desperately needs right now. We're the only chance the world will ever be able to fulfill some of these things. We're, we're it. We're the last hope. And I want you to hear my heart. As kingdom people, I am concerned about the things that I'm about to show you that we are drifting closer to the world standards than the standards that God has commanded for us. 
we are leaking poyeo. Now, maybe I'm just a negative old grumpy guy, and I'm, I'm really not trying to be that way. But I, I want us to see that if we continue in the direction that we are going as kingdom people, I want you to listen to this. There will be no salt to prevent further decay, and there will be no light to stop the deeper shades of darkness in which we live. We are the only hope there is. So I want to just give you something to think about. Here's one of them I wonder if we're leaking at, and that is the unequaled priority of God. He is first in everything. Our brother Luke taught us about that last week, that God tells us in his word that he's jealous. That when anyone or anything takes his seat of ultimate priority in your life, he is offended by that. And so you be honest in your own life, in your own heart right now, and ask yourself, how are you doing with that? Is he occupying the seat of priority? I'm not asking if he's important to you. I'm not asking if he is a priority to you. I'm asking if he is the priority. And when kingdom people invade the world and lessen him down the ladder of importance in our life, the world continues to decay, and the world continues to get dark. You see why Jesus landed the plane this way. Let me throw another one to you. The unquestioned authority of God. His opinions carry more weight than mine. I want you to hear this. When God says A, and I say B, the discussion is over. We, we don't have a debate about it. We don't take a poll over it. We don't justify how all of a sudden, somehow, I become smarter than God in this one moment. So where are you, really? Really, where are you? Are you leaking poieto here? From my perspective, that needs some attention among those of us in the kingdom. Because the authority of God is losing its pizzazz in our churches. Let me throw you one more that somebody's got to have the spiritual backbone to speak about. So let me just kind of throw it out there. I'll see what happens Thursday, then I'll determine whether I say this on Sunday. But let me try this. The unchanging morality of God. The human experience will always have complicated issues that we got to wrestle through. You see, not everybody agrees with this, but the bottom line is not everything is black and white. It just isn't. But with unmistakable clarity, God explains in his word that there are some things that are right and they will always be right. And there are some things that are wrong and they will always be wrong. And future generations are not allowed to change that simply because you are all of a sudden woke. Amen. 
So where, where, where are you at with that? See, Jesus says that the world needs our poieto. So let's go back to our opening question. Jesus did this. I thought it might work for me, okay? So you conclude with what you started. So if you give one thing to every person in the whole world, it would dramatically make a positive and permanent impact on the rest of human society. What would the one thing be? The right answer is better than money, it's better than health, it's better than education. Sorry, Jackie DeShannon, it's better than love. It is poyel. Just do it. And the plane has landed. Father, thank you for I, I don't know that the word is boldness because you are God. Thank you for the honesty to say what really needs to be said. And I pray that your word will not return void. It won't come back empty after it is presented this weekend at Eastside. I pray that there are people who the reason they're here is because you placed them here. They needed to hear this. Folks who have neglected what the word of God is telling them and asking them to do right now in their life. And they're just ignoring it. They're, they're dismissing it. They're changing it. They're altering it. And we expect of that in the world. But we kingdom people get there. And my prayer, Lord, is that there is, as a result of this conclusion of your son's message, an explosion among all of us of poieto. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.